Hi, everyone, and welcome to What Would My Shrink Say, a podcast where you get inside the heads of a couple psychologists and see life through their eyes. You'll never be the same. Hey, Todd. Dr. Wagnall, how are you? Peachy. That's good to hear. Yeah. yeah. You don't hear that often anymore, peachy. Peachy? Yeah. Mm. It's one of my favorites. Is that right? I think there's been a resurgence now that we have such a nice peach emoticon. The emoji for peach is fun. Oh, on the iPhone? Yeah. Or on the phone? Yeah, just, in, you know, you can text with it. And... You think it's fun? Yeah. <laughs> I, I agree. It's a blast. <laughs> you do not. <laughs> Liar. <laughs> Peaches is kind of a sarcastic nickname I give people sometimes. Oh. For what type of person? My buddies, you know, when they're like... When they're being... A little whiny or something. Yeah. Soft. Yeah. Yeah. Like a special snowflake yeah. who needs to be handled carefully. Like a peach. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Peaches bruise easily. They do. They get but they're so delicious. They are very good. Thus. As long as they're not too fuzzy. I don't like really fuzzy peaches. You know, sometimes you get a peach and they're like, they got like super fuzz. I don't think I've ever had a peach that I thought had too much fuzz on mm-hmm. it. Happens. I used to sell peaches. Like that white mm-hmm. covering? The, the, it's like too too much? Sometimes it can be kind of, huh? yeah, fuzzy. Just got to rub them off a little bit. They're like white? No, they're not. <laughs> they're, not like, they're not like chia <laughs> pets. <laughs> Just a little more. Okay, out. okay. Yeah, anyway. Uh, I, I think you got something you want to uh, plug here at the beginning of our episode. Yeah, we uh, just for all our listeners, we now have an Instagram account under What Would My Shrink Say? So um, that actually would afford um, our listeners a maybe a better opportunity to chime in on their on comments or um, request that we cover certain topics. That'd be great. Um, just maybe opens up a line of communication that we previously haven't really had. I think because you and I are practicing... Uh, psychologists, it kind of limits the time that we are able to kind of take for this, but that might be a good um, avenue to increase the communication that we might have with anybody who's would like to leave a comment or request that we cover something or just chime in on one of our discussions. Yeah, let us know what you're thinking. Throw lots of peach emoji at Dr. Sewell. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> All right, what are we talking about today? Um, I think we'd like to, we had a listener kind of write in actually and um, share with us that they struggle sometimes with um, evaluating their relationships kind of constantly, running through a list in their head of the people that they know and care about and wondering whether they're upset with them or wondering if their relationship's in good standing. Um, and, I, and I've seen this behavior a few times um, with clients uh, this, this kind of hypervigilance around relationships sometimes and, and kind of this um, scanning almost um, going through that list, making sure they're in good terms or in good standing with other people mm-hmm. and really worrying and having a lot of great deal of anxiety around relationships. So um, I thought we might address that for that listener today. Let's do it. Yeah. Um, this is interesting. What, have you seen this presentation before? Nope. No. No, I'm just kidding. There yeah. we go. I was going to say, wow. <laughs> See you all the time. <laughs> <That's hot. laughs> I just feel like I always say yes, so I thought I'd throw a curveball in there. Yeah, I think it is fairly common, mm-hmm. and, and, and it, it typically is kind of anxiety-induced, I feel like. There, there's kind of a worry. Um, anxiety-induced or anxiety-producing? Ooh, maybe both. Or perhaps both. Maybe both. Mm-hmm. Um, and maintaining. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yeah, yeah, this uh, this kind of worry um, in, within relationships about uh, whether the relationship's okay or whether they're they're standing with others is has been harmed by either of their actions or words. And this kind of it's almost like a mental mental scanning operation that they kind of think of someone and go, ooh, you know, the last time I interacted with them, did they did I say anything wrong? Mm-hmm. Did I offend them? Um, the listener even um, stated that in some of the relationships they haven't had contact with that person in quite a while sometimes, oh. but they're still worried that they mm-hmm. might um, have upset that person or offended them. Right. Yeah. And so it seems to be some somewhat related to a, a worry or, or an anxiety within relationships. Like this makes me think of common kind of attachment theory. Um, uh, attachment theory kind of proposes that we um, exist in relationships on kind of two planes, one about anxiety and one that are about our ability to approach those problems or not and and uh, address them. Wait, what um, do you mean? Bre- attachment theory? Yeah. What? I, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> no, break up. it down for our, for our listeners and for me. It's been a while since I've talked yeah, about Yeah, attachment theory. theory is this really um, strong and uh, robust theory about how we form relationships. And it suggests that the, the patterns that we use in, in our childhood um, – to gain attention, affection, uh, trust uh, from others kind of echoes throughout our lives that we kind of keep that kind of attachment. So um, someone who struggled kind of forming relationships with their primary caregivers for whatever reason might also continue to struggle later in life. Mm. Um, but there are different patterns to that struggle and you're saying that. Yeah, what and, are the, what are the, and the two ones? dimensions of that are, are anxiety, which, which is basically how much are you invested into your relationships? Do you worry about them a lot? Are they, preoccupied are they preoccupied, with, preoccupied them with them? Overly preoccupied with them. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's a spectrum. Some people mm-hmm. are just not preoccupied with them at all and some people are very worried about those things. Um, and to be clear, to have a healthy relationship, you have to be somewhat preoccupied with your relationship. You have to think about your relationship. Yeah, right? that's so a really good that. point. To have good relationships, you should be somewhat mindful of them and, and occupied right. with, yeah. Um, and the other dimension is kind of approach or avoidance. Are, are you willing to engage over those problems or do you just avoid them altogether? Yeah. And then how do you do that? So, mm-hmm. um, and there's, there's kind of, I, I think you see a lot of kind of four um, more prominent styles of attachment and, and somebody with this kind of attachment style or, or, or somebody who worries a lot about their relationships might be a little heavier on that preoccupation with mm-hmm. relationships. And so this also suggests that they, this tendency to worry a lot about your relationships was learned or instilled at a young age, um, possibly having to do with their relationship with primary caregivers or kind of important adults in their life when they were young. Yeah. Yeah. Learn through one method or another, right? Often it's not really taught, um, but it, it could be just the way you made sense of relationships as a kid or a way you kind of mm-hmm. um, viewed those those systems at play of how you got attention, how you formed bonds, how you how you made those relationships. So as an, a concrete example of this, I have, a, I have a client who grew up with a alcoholic father and it, the father wasn't um, overtly abusive, but just as a result of his drinking, had a lot of like mood swings and sort of volatility and how he acted. And, and so the, my client never really knew what to expect. So she learned to kind of always be kind of analyzing and trying to assess like, how's dad feeling right now? Like what's his behavior going to be like? And which, you know, to a little kid like that, it makes sense that you would do that. Um, and that, that kind of habit of being overly preoccupied with, you know, what her, an important figure in her life was thinking or how they were feeling and then what they were going to do that habit just kind of continued to stick around and is, you know, playing a, for instance, it, it gets in, it causes conflict in her, in her marriage and in her 
relationship with her boss, for instance. Yeah, so yeah. I, th- I think that's how this kind of thing can develop. Yeah, one way. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you do see that a lot in, in kids who are brought up in angry or uh, households. There's this kind of um, anxiety that develops around how the adult in the situation is, is feeling because it, as a kid, it pays for you to be able to read that pretty mm-hmm. well. Um, and you start even kind of developing an idea that you're responsible for how they feel because you're starting to learn tricks maybe about how mm-hmm. to avoid their wrath, right? So if I keep my room clean, if all my grades are good, if everything's great, you know, what does dad look like coming through the door? Does he have mm-hmm. that look on his face that usually comes with a, a beating or a yelling or whatever it is? And, and kids get very good at kind of being attuned to other people and reading into yeah. those things and that habit can actually carry into their mm-hmm. adulthood and they become really preoccupied with how people are doing and they feel responsible for how people feel a lot. Although I want to point out sometimes a pattern I've noticed is sometimes this habit can kind of lay dormant for a while and often what you see is it it's present through childhood but then sometimes when people leave the house and they start working or go to college or kind of through their 20s it it sort of goes away for a little while but then often it will spring back up once someone gets into a significant romantic relationship is often where I see it. Yeah, relationships tend to be kind of the the context in which the triggers mean more, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. There's, there's much more at stake with your, say your spouse once you get married than with, you know, just like a buddy, you know, a good friend or something growing, you got other friends, you know, but all of a sudden, like once you're, once you're married or in a significant relationship, it's it starts to approach the the weight of like a parent like how important mm-hmm. a parent mm-hmm. is to you mm-hmm. right and so that can kind of trigger sort of an outbreak of this old habit that had been dormant yeah those old coping skills of, of yeah maybe reading emotion um so yeah for for that listener though the 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 reasons why you might kind of scan those lists um might be more apparent to you than of course to us that we don't really know that background just yet but um there's probably a reason why you're doing that probably something in your past that brings that kind of behavior up and and uh and that sorry that point is worth like holding on a second because i think one of the problems if you're stuck in this kind of a pattern you can start to kind of feel like like what's wrong with me like why do i keep doing this why do i keep doing this stupid thing or why am i so stupid broken or whatever like there's always a reason there's a very there's a reason that at one point in time made a lot of sense actually. Well, and this might've been advantageous at one point yeah, in time. Exactly. Right? Yeah, exactly. So it's important to be able to be, no matter how much you dislike this habit of being preoccupied with what, how other people are doing, um, it's important to be, have that kind of compassion with yourself. Yeah. You know, one question that I thought of right away was what kind of relationships has this person had in their past that would make someone being mad at them so aversive, right? I mean, mm-hmm. nobody likes someone to be mad at them, but this almost makes me think there's such a threat present when someone is angry with them, a perceived threat of sorts, you know, abandonment or mm-hmm. ridicule or something like that, that maybe there's a real important reason that you associate with someone being mad at you that you're trying to avoid, you know? Right. Um, and so really kind of understanding what this behavior is about for you, I think would be really helpful to kind of really dive into what is this about for me? Why is it so uncomfortable for someone to be mad at me? Why is that intolerable in a way? And why am I scanning for that threat constantly? Mm-hmm. Yeah, which assumes that there is there is a reason you're doing it, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? Which I, I think is important again. Yeah, and that reason could be as simple as I, you have an allergy to just kind of feeling um, feeling bad when someone you know mm-hmm. is, is upset, and it's like I can't tolerate that kind of Especially friction in a really relationship. Matters. Yeah, if I care about yep. them, um, but. 
but there's something to be said for in, in caring relationships. Um, there probably should be some room every once in a while to have someone be upset. What, um, elaborate on that. What do you mean there should be some room for someone to be upset? Meaning, um, in, in many of the relationships you will have in life at one point or another, someone's going to be upset with you or you're going to be upset with somebody else. And if, um, someone being upset with you is such a threat to your well being. Um, boy, does that come with a lot of other problems. Yeah, I think the thing that a lot of people with these types of backgrounds um, learn that they conflate someone being upset with something being wrong or dangerous. Or I, I'm, I'm bad or I've done something bad. Right, exactly. Something's wrong, yeah. right? Yeah. In reality, though, there, there are plenty of situations where someone being upset is, it's unfortunate, it's a bummer, but it doesn't mean anything's wrong or even, it doesn't even mean someone is to blame. Right. You know, and it doesn't mean something terrible is going to happen in the future or like people, people just get upset. Mm. Emotions are not bad. <laughs> it's our kind of one of our take home themes of this podcast. Yeah. Right. It feels uncomfortable to have your spouse or a parent or best friend or a boss be upset, perhaps because of something you did or didn't do. But it's, it's really key, I think, to start to allow yourself to learn that just because someone is feeling bad doesn't mean you are bad, something bad is going to happen, et cetera. Or anything's wrong, maybe. Right. Um, sometimes in, in, in good relationships, people get upset. Um, y- you definitely um, hit another topic of responsibility, you know, that have I done something wrong? Um, and, and that's interesting to me, that, that idea that you're responsible maybe for upsetting someone. And so you're scanning this list of people wondering if they're upset with you. And, and that's interesting because it almost assumes that I have some kind of responsibility to fix that. If someone mm-hmm. is upset with me or I would, maybe this person would attempt to do that. But to me, this alludes to the idea that maybe you feel responsible for how other people feel. Right. Um, and, and, or maybe even just responsible for ameliorating their frustration or agitation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think the point to, to bring out here is that just because you do something and someone feels upset does not necessarily mean you are responsible for how they feel. Mm-hmm. And like a simple example of this, maybe we've even used it before on the podcast. If I say, hey, Todd, nice shirt, and you interpret that as me being sarcastic, and mm-hmm. then you get upset, mm-hmm. I am not morally culpable for you feeling upset, right? Right. I did something, you got upset, right? But that doesn't right. mean I'm responsible for you feeling bad or whatever you go on to do because you're, you know, if you knock me out, right? Because, because I insulted you. Like <laughs> right. I'm not responsible for that just because I did something that made you feel bad. Right. Yeah. Yeah. To take it even up a notch, let's say I cancel our podcast meeting mm-hmm. because my daughter has an appointment and I, I feel like I need to do that. And you're upset. And I could say, well, I can see why Nick is upset that I canceled that right. appointment. I apologize. But if you remain mad at that point, I think I would say, mm, that's, I think that's Nick's choice to do that <laughs> right. and not my responsibility right. now to make sure he's okay with it. But I think sometimes in relationships, we get this, this um, conflation of them being upset with my responsibility mm-hmm. and my guilt almost. And so um, that might also be another interesting place to, to dive into, um, you know, why am I doing this scanning and, and, and what is it I feel responsible for within this and, and what, what part is mine, what part is theirs and how do I proceed there? Mm-hmm. But there's some threat. Scanning to me is always about some threat. Oh yeah. Yeah. And usually the threat is emotional. You, it ultimately it comes down to someone's gonna feel upset 
And even the real threat there is then that like something bad, I'm going to feel bad as a result. Something bad's going to happen and I'm going to feel scared. I'm going to feel guilty. I'm going to feel whatever. Or they're not going to love me anymore. Mm -hmm. They're not going to care about me Which is going to make me feel X, Y, and Z bad things, right? Um, So I think that's usually the the threat there. Um, Yeah, and and it could be even a value-checking threat. I hadn't thought of that. Maybe I've done something wrong and we're kind of really looking maybe for more of my behavioral issues than -hmm. than maybe... um, yeah, but some type of emotional threat is going on. And so looking into, number one, maybe why do I do this a little bit and, and validating that a little bit, but then moving more into what am I looking for in here? Mm-hmm. What, what, what's, what, what am I, what is so threatening in, in this situation? And then, and then run the counterfactual, like run an experiment and see what happens in a certain relationship for a certain amount of time. Don't like try not to get think too much about it or be preoccupied with it or check in with people yeah. and see what happens. Like, do things start to deteriorate quickly, mm-hmm. or does it basically stay the same? Which means you could not do all that stressful, anxiety-producing, you know, scanning, and you'd get the same outcome. So, like, why why give yourself that extra stress and anxiety if you're not getting any benefit from it? Yeah. But yeah. you know, we can sit here and say that, and you can think to yourself, "Oh, yeah, that's probably what's going on." But until you do it and actually learn, oh yeah, nothing bad happens, nothing's going to change. You know, and, and the other the other part is kind of tolerating these kinds of worries and thoughts that your mind might give you from time to time. Because mm-hmm. if you are someone who is preoccupied with relationships, you're likely to worry about your relationships. And, and to understand that this is something my mind does occasionally, it doesn't mean I have to chase this thought through to its end or anything like that. But, oh, yeah, sometimes I do that because right. I really care, you know. And yeah, totally normal. To try to kind of normalize that for yourself. Yep. But um, I would say the internal behavior of checking and scanning may be something you want to work on. And when you catch yourself doing that, try to engage in maybe something um, more... more uh, align with your values there, mm-hmm. you know, contact those people, have a conversation with them. It's likely that maybe you're anxious because you do care about those relationships yeah. and nourishing them might be a better thing than worrying about them. Yeah. yeah. Or if you, you know, if you like a common situation I hear a lot is like I come home and my spouse seems really stressed and upset. Um, and so I ask them what's going on and they say, Oh, nothing. But that, but they seem upset. And so mm-hmm. I check in with them, you mm-hmm. know, like mm-hmm. I check and I check and I check. Yeah. And they keep saying, no, nothing is wrong. Well, now something's <laughs> wrong because you're pissing me off because yeah. you keep checking in with me. Yeah. Um, so it gets kind of compulsive. But mm-hmm. there, there's the experiment is you can also experiment with, okay, my spouse looks stressed. They're not asking me for help. So maybe I can just trust them that if they need help, they will ask for it. And me just letting them be kind of upset is, is actually an expression of love saying like, you're allowed to be upset sometimes. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Right? It's a normal emotion. Yeah, it's totally normal. I don't like it. I would prefer that my spouse is super happy all the time, but not very realistic, right? You, you know, a good exposure to this too, as well as as well as well kind of maybe not con- the continued checking thing might be not apologizing over and over, mm. you know? Often people who are preoccupied with relationships tend to say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, over and over and over again for minuscule kinds of things. So to practice not apologizing when an apology is really not warranted, mm-hmm. you know, to really watch that and and kind of giving yourself that time to see that that other person is still okay, even though you haven't apologized 12 times, you know, <laughs> will actually kind of help you learn that it is okay for other people to handle their own emotional experience. Right. Things turn out okay. Yeah, and everything's fine. But, but that checking seems to be such a... Um, 
uh, an avoidance of, of maybe that internal kind of anxiety yeah. that, that keeps continues. you anxious but doesn't do a whole lot positive. Yeah, and it, and it just means the next time you, you think of a relationship, you're more likely to sit there and consternate and worry and yeah, grind against it. Hey, everyone. Nick and I really appreciate you listening to the podcast. Please rate us on iTunes if you get a chance. And if you have any feedback or comments for us, that'd be great as well. And if you have any questions or topics you'd like us to cover in the podcast, let us know in the comment section as well. Thanks.